0: Today on the show, while everybody else is getting ready for a rebellion, we take a little trip to Space Cali, Florida and play some Space GTA. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and themes behind some of our favorite universes. As always, I'm Jaden. And I'm Kevin. And we are dealing with the fallout from the epic episode six, robbery, heist, murder. Yeah,
1: this episode um, pretty much just deals with all of the aftermath of everything that happened.
0: Yep. Which there was a lot, and we're going to we're gonna get to all of it very soon but first we have to do a little housekeeping we love to hear from our listeners so please email us at podcast at with your thoughts and questions you might just see them in a future episode you can find kevin at in the loop on twitter and k loops on twitch and instagram
1: and you can find Jaden at mr jad j on instagram and twitter and of course you can connect with the lore party team on instagram twitter and twitch At lore underscore party. Now, before we get into everything, we're going to take a quick ad break, but we will be right back.
0: Okay, now that we've paid homage to the corporate overlords, it's time (laughs) to remind you all that if you have not seen this episode, please do not
1: listen to this episode. Once you have, feel free. Yeah, once you guys have watched all of Andor so far and listened to our episodes, come on down. Press play again. <laughs> uh, there's a lot that <laughs> happens leading up to this episode. You will be lost if you do not know what is going on. Yeah, this, one, this one's this one got a lot of stuff that happened. This
0: is a mid-season Game of Thrones type feel for this episode.
1: Yeah, it's, it's very similar to the last episode in terms of a lot of stuff happens and it's very quick. However, kind of like last episode, our quote section is going to be a little bit bigger than the synopsis yep. section just because... We're going to do this brief synopsis here, but it's pretty much a lot of walking around
0: like everybody's just. Yeah. And so so if things get slammed into each other combined, uh, no, we're not idiots and forgot when things happen in the episode. I'm doing it on purpose because I don't want to go. And then and then and then and
1: then. (laughs) Yeah. And like I said, it's a lot of walking around. The majority of a whole scene is just somebody walking through Coruscant, which is fine. It's a great scene. but It's just, you know, yeah, it happens.
0: All right, so without further ado, let's get into it. We begin our episode with Kevin's favorite character, Karn, (laughs) getting ready for his big boy job interview, his post-I-ruined-my-career-job interview,
1: and his mother is just bullying the hell out of him. It's so funny because his room has three clone trooper toys in it, and that's it. She pretty much obviously has like left his room <laughs> the way it was, if that makes sense. Because yeah, but the she toys... only gave him three toys yeah, growing that, up. That's <laughs> the thing. Like The toys are still there and all that, but it's it's a barren room with just three toys. It's very Oh, funny. You kind of feel bad for him when you forget that he's an idiot. Well, that's the thing. I do feel bad for him in this scene because his mom, like you said, she's bullying him. She's kind of treating him like shit, and she's like, you know, your your uncle has uh, gotten this whole thing ready. And she's like, yeah, don't fuck this up. Yeah, and she's criticizing everything he wore uh, that he got ready to wear and all that. And it's just, it, I don't know. I
0: Okay, she was reading into that collar too much. I'm going to be honest.
1: Yeah, I actually put that in quotes. So she,
0: that, that collar was telling a whole story that, that I do not believe was actually there, but we'll get into that later.
1: Basically, yeah, she's not nice. After we have this conversation where she shits on Karn... We cut to the ISB base as one Ularin many of you may recognize as the admiral who served with Anakin in the Clone Wars. I'm so happy. Yeah. He's laying out the retaliatory measures that the Empire is going to take now after this robbery happened. And basically it's all heavy taxes the abolishment of local customs if they are seen to show that they have anything to do with hiding any type of rebellion, as well as heavy prison sentences. And I mean heavy prison sentences. Heavy.
0: I think they said, like, it'll be a class one offense, which I don't know what that
1: means, but I assume bad. Yeah, it seems really bad. And, of course, the ISB will be taking the lead in anti-rebel activities. Now, I do have a question for you real quick. Yeah. They are not part of the Navy, right?
0: As far as I know, they are not. They are um, very similar to Oni in the Halo universe, where it's like they're the separate, they're the guys that will like make you disappear if you are a problem. Like they're the shadowy organization. They're the Gestapo of the Star Wars
1: universe. So here's my follow-up question. Why are they all wearing ranks of naval officers?
0: That is interesting. I assume maybe they're just going with that's like
1: standard Imperial rank. I just, if somebody could email us and tell us why, because I can't for the life of me find out why I was like sitting on all the wikis and everything, trying to figure out why the engineer guy had orange. These guys have blue and red. Cause I remember in one of the earlier episodes, you said something about that. And I was just like, you know, maybe it's, you know, oh, they're Navy, but they're not. I, I'm, I there's them. an
0: old legends chart that I can send you that, that talks about like ranking it's. Kind of dumb, but I mean... Eh, Imperial. Eh, it's, it's getting in the weeds a little bit. Speaking of Imperial officers, though, uh, Daedra believes that what they're doing is a total mistake. And her assistant's like, why? She says, the ISB is treating this like a robbery when they should be treating it as a rebellion. And I really like that idea. She's like the only person that sees... That this is not just some people getting rich quick. This is people who are going to use this money for problems.
1: And you see that theme of, uh, there are a couple themes in this episode, but you see that theme of it's just a robbery said a bunch here in this episode. For instance, Cassian views it as just a robbery. That's how he is viewing the situation. Whereas obviously it's not. We know it's not. But other people seem to just want to almost have it as just a robbery.
0: Yep. It's easier for them to dismiss it as a robbery than to face the fact that there
1: might be an organized resistance to this world that they've built. Exactly. So next we go to Luthin and he's been listening to the rebel comms and he's clearly giddy about it when then he is informed that Mothma is showing up. So she arrives with her driver again and they start talking and she's like oh my husband didn't like it let's look at the other gift and she lets her driver stay outside this time and she is not happy uh we're going to go through that whole conversation a little bit later she is pissed and he's very much like you know get over it like i told you what was going to happen she's pretty furious with Luther. and she believes that Luthen kind of jumped the gun on such an action of what what we had happened in the last episode, she thinks it's kind of like, "Hey, I'm supposed to meet with this guy to get all my funds, you know, ready unlocked." Exactly. Like it, yeah. like it, his whole thing
0: was like, "Like you want, like I needed money, so this is how I got the money." And she was like, "Well, I was gonna get <laughs> my credit card is locked. I will get you." It's that uh, that girl like I wired you the money. It's coming. There's a
1: problem with the space bank. <laughs> well, that's the other thing too. Is he says well, how did your meeting go? And she's like, I'm having it tonight. And he like, he kind of, I don't want to say he seems for the most informed gentleman in this whole show as of late, he doesn't know that she didn't have her meeting yet, which I thought was a little odd. Well, I, I think the context that he was, that, that he, the reason he says that is because
0: if you remember in a previous episode, she was like, I want to bring him in. And he was like, no, we don't need any more people. So I think when he was saying, how did the meeting go? It was more being like, well, I told you no, and you went and did it. Like, it was like a, you you know, because she's mad at him for doing something behind his back. Yeah. And he's throwing back, well, you were going to meet with this person and get us all killed. And she's like, well, I haven't done it yet, but now I'm gonna.
1: Makes sense. Makes sense.
0: We then cut to Karn, who's taking a tour of his great new job that Uncle Harlow got for him. It's the Bureau of Standards. And the first thing I thought of was the central bureaucracy from Futurama. It is just a big fucking white room with people sitting in a chair doing the exact same task over and over again. And I was like, that is every corporate America job ever. Every person in there got PTSD. Yeah. From anybody watching it who works a corporate job. Oh, yeah. Saw that and went, oof. That's what I got to do on Monday.
1: (laughs) Oh, no. Don't remind me.
0: They ask him what happened on Merlana 1, and he basically just makes up a bunch of excuses. And I think even he's blown away because he has like this big like speech prepared about what happened. And the dude's just like, oh, we can we can get rid of that. We can get you this new job. Your uncle Harlow said it's cool. I think, like, Karn kind of got to see firsthand, like, the corruption that is within the imperial system. Cause, like, he fucked up real bad. And these people were like, yeah, but we know your uncle. So you get a job.
1: Yeah. I think also he's a little bit. He blurts out what happens. And, like you said, he tries to make excuses. But even the guy just kind of stares at him and is like, uh huh. Uh huh. All right, weirdo. Okay. Um, Yeah, right, like he doesn't, like, I
0: I think it was more like this interview's a formality because we owe Uncle Harlow something. Yeah. Like, you're getting this job.
1: So after this, Luthan's assistant is walking the streets of Coruscant. Now, I don't know if anybody here notices this, but if you remember when Star Wars was first being pitched, like the original Star Wars, right? We have all these art books now that show the art of the concepts, right, the concept art. If you look around Coruscant a lot of it seems to be very reminiscent of those art pieces. I noticed it right away that it, it, the set pieces were very very um really really kind of retro feel. I I I liked it. It very it felt very much like old school Star Wars.
0: I know I loved it. We got to see a lot more of Coruscant in this sequence and I I love seeing like how clean it is, how pristine it is. How uh I even got, I even like seeing, like, the guards that were standing there. I don't know if you noticed this, but they had yeah. the Alderinian guard on them. It was cool. Which I was like, I'm wondering if that's just maybe, like, a standard security person, like, helmet in this time period. Which, by the way, I want to put on record, that is my favorite helmet in all of Star
1: Wars. And I will fight anyone who says it looks stupid because I think it looks hilariously awesome. Incoming emails. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so not only do we see Luthan's assistant walking through Coruscant, we also see Vel walking through Coruscant. Vel is waiting for her, and they're talking back and forth. Now, Vell does not look anything like she did in the previous episodes. She took a shower. Yeah. Vel <laughs> is all glammed up, and it's kind of made me curious, I wonder who she is on Coruscant. I wonder what her role is, because clearly something's there. There's theories running around that she's Luthen's daughter. Ooh, okay, okay, okay. Which
0: would explain why he was like, "Be a leader."
1: That's actually pretty interesting. I actually like that i that concept or idea theory. It's pretty cool. So anyway, they start talking. They're saying, "All right, we had doubts about skiing. It's sad about everybody else dying." And then she says, Clem, also known as Cassian Andor. That's who you know. She says his name right there. She's like, You're gonna need to go find him. We can't have Luthen, you know, running around freely in his brain. Pretty much tells Vel, You're gonna have to find him and you're gonna have to eliminate Cassian Andor to ensure rebel security.
0: And she she protests and and the assistants basically like we don't we haven't seen the side of her before where she's just like, Shut up and get it done. Like Yeah, yeah. Our friend Luthen is, is at stake versus this guy. I'd rather keep Luther alive. Mm-hmm. So while this is happening, Daedra actually uses some of her newfound authority that Lauren, kind of imparted on the ISB to uh, kind of bully a data clerk into handing over the files that she was previously told that you were not allowed to have access to. She was like, I can now do this because I have been given way more resources. And she's circumventing kind of the rules that she was told. By the head of the ISB.
1: Which is pretty pretty badass, in my opinion.
0: Oh yeah. Very Game of Thronesy. This show's very Game of Thronesy. I know.
1: Of- it's very good with the drama, and I actually really like that change of pace. So we cut back to our friend Sintas, who is attempting to escape Aldani now. Good news, she's alive. Yeah, yeah, there you go. She looks up at the sky, and we see an Imperial Star Destroyer now arriving in orbit. So this is showing how the Imperials are just popping up everywhere now, and they are kind of asserting their dominance and their authority because this shit- In the
0: wake of the robbery. Yeah, this
1: shit was bad.
0: It's kind of cool because this is very similar to what we see in uh, Star Wars Rebels when we just see an Imperial Star Destroyer hanging above Lothal. And this actually takes place at about the same time period as we see that Star Destroyer. So that Star Destroyer might have been there as a response to the robbery. Oh, shit. Tying everything together. Exactly. We then cut to Andor, who actually, uh, for some reason, returns to Ferex. He actually goes home, and he actually goes into his uh, Marva's house, his mom. And she's like, what are you doing here? You're going to get caught. And he's like, no, Listen we're done. Like, we did it. We can leave this place. I, we can get you somewhere warm. You can get you out of the damp. I got the cash, mom. I can do it. Let's go. Yeah, I got the cash. And she doesn't, like, she's, like, happy to see him and, like, happy that he's successful. But, like, she has this weird look of, like, uh, well, there's this short notice. There's so much to do. And he's like, oh, I, I get it. You're tired. It's the middle of the night. What am I thinking? Uh, get some rest. Uh, we'll go in the morning. I'm going to go check in on Bix. You
1: hang out here. While this is going on, we go to Mon Mothma's house party. And there are a lot of diplomats there.
0: Typical diplomat party, you know, cocktails, polite conversation, laughing at the ambassador
1: who's got ketchup on his tie, you know, the usual. Yeah, a bunch of bougie one percenters are there, and they're all walking around. We have diplomats from Chandrila, including her old school friend, Tay Koma. This is who I believe this is who she wanted to bring into the circle of trust. She's walking around with him and they're kind of reminiscing about some old school time. And then she starts talking politics with him and is like, I want to tell you something that nobody else knows. And he's like, is this personal, political? He's like, what's going on? And she goes, political. At first,
0: he's like, he's dismissing her the whole time. Yeah. He's like, yeah. he's like I, you know, whatever you're going to tell me. Uh my politics might not align with yours. Like I don't like the empire and you seem just so happy to, to deal with it.
1: Yeah. That's the thing is he sees her as part of the organization. That is the problem. Yep. She's a little meddlesome, you know, with her little charity organizations, but for the most part, she's perfectly content being a part of the empire. So he's a little bit hesitant to talk to her and then she kind of opens up. We will talk about this later on. So pretty much what happens is she confides in him that her persona in the Senate is just all bullshit and it's a lie and that she has been secretly trying to take out the empire from within and she needs his help to get her family money out of her account so she can help fund a little charity organization that she will not tell him about any further at all. This charity event is fantastic because it brings bombs and bullets at
0: breakneck speeds, directly to where they're needed most, an Imperial Skull. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we cut back to Ferex, and Andor, he goes to check on Bix. You know, he knocks on the door, does a little secret knock that apparently they both
1: share. What's that song, by the way, that goes dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun? Because dun, 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 dun? Cassian does that knock, and I'm like, that knock is... I
0: I don't know the name of it. I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't know the name of it.
1: Sorry, I'm asking Siri. It's no love featuring little Wayne by Eminem. No, it's fucking not, Siri.
0: <laughs> Bix doesn't really like have the warm reception that he thought she would have to seeing him again. And it's, it's then he finds out that the reason he was chased off the planet in the first place was because Tim turned him in. And not only that, but Tim died because of it, because of his involvement. And Bix is taking it really hard. And she really blames Andor for the whole situation, which he doesn't accept. He's like, what do you mean? Tim's the one who turned me in and now I'm getting blamed for it? Like, that's what happens. Like, he died because he tried to interfere. And she's that's not the words that she's looking for right now. So she basically tells him to get the hell out. Yeah. Before he does, though, he leaves her all of the money that he owes everyone on the planet because he wants to make sure his debts are paid. He doesn't want anyone looking for him, basically.
1: Isn't that a funny sentence? He leaves all the money that he owes everybody on the planet.
0: Yeah. What a Star Wars thing to say. Right? Like, he just owes every... Like, he owes an entire planet money, basically. (laughs) (laughs) At least it seemed like in those first couple episodes, like, everybody was showing up being like, God damn it, what do you want, Cassie? And he's like, uh, can I borrow 300 credits?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, after he leaves Bix, he goes to Marva. And they have a really interesting discussion. Marva's refusing to leave and she says that she's going to stay and she's going to fight instead and she's going to fight for rebellion and we get this back and forth of Clem talking to Cassian and saying like hey it's going to be okay and all this other stuff and basically what happens is Clem is dead the real Clem Clem who was his adopted father who helped rescue him the first uh, who he named himself after in the in the robbery. So we see the shadow of Clem hanging uh, in the middle of the street. It's a flashback, we should say. Yeah, she Marva says that she has been sick and tired for the last like I think it's like fifteen or twelve years. She's been taking the long way home because she doesn't want to walk by where he was hanging, and she's like, "That's it, I'm done." They talk about how much they love each other, and she's like, "Hey, man, like it's fine. You have a different path, and that is okay." But I'm too yep. old, and I've been dealing with this bullshit for too long, so I'm a fight. Honestly, there's a quote in here that we'll say later. I definitely teared. I will say it is a very sad and happy quote yeah. at the same time. I, I
0: will say this. Um, you sent me, well, two things. One, I love the flashback sequence because we got to see uh, clone troopers kind of taken over yeah. uh, the village square which I don't know they, the 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 helmets looked a little weird to me. I don't know if they were the the next gen helmets or if they were the I think they were the right helmets but they, they just looked they looked strange they to were me in the shots. They were clone
1: helmets. Basically they were wearing all clone armor but it was all white. We have not seen that in a while. So it just shows how long he's been there. They've been on that planet a good
0: long time and it seemed like they were yeah. They were really in, they were they were really uh uh Uh, a part of the society because you can see like Clem trying to calm people down, you know, trying to keep everybody safe, everybody out of danger. He doesn't succeed, unfortunately, but you know, you can tell that he wants that uh, he was someone who was valued in the community. The other thing too, is that we find out this is why he has, uh Andor has an Imperial assault charge on his record because he was so angry after they killed his dad. Yeah. That he, he charged them with a lead pipe and tried to, tried to, you know, take his anger out on them. And obviously I mean, I guess it worked, but it didn't work well enough that he would have gone to prison for it. Yeah. Uh, the the other thing too that uh, you sent me an article that I thought was very funny, and I feel like we need to talk about it before we before we go move on. It's
1: on Reddit <laughs> for anybody who was on like our Star Wars or whatever. It's on
0: Reddit. Yeah, you can find it on R Star Wars. It's fantastic. It's basically um, they put out uh, a book talking about Cassie and Andor, like a little snippet in like a Star Wars encyclopedia. They put out these encyclopedias. All the time. I have a bunch of them. I love them. They give you great insight in the Star Wars universe, except when they're wrong, because apparently they just threw away Andor's entire backstory that they've established before the show came out. Like none of it matches
1: at all. And it's so funny. Now, it could be that that's just the story he told everybody, and that's actually accurate for what everybody else believes. That, but, yeah. But, I mean, the guy's a spy and all that, like, later on. Like, we know where he's at at the end, you know? But it would be really funny if that's what they actually used as his actual backstory. And it's just like, nah, that ain't fucking it, man. No, it's completely different. Because <laughs> the other thing, too, is he's such a fan favorite from Rogue One that I do think them grabbing him and being like, we're going to make a whole thing about him is still relatively new within the what the last like four years, probably? I would say so, yeah. I, yeah.
0: Don't, I don't think they ever intended for this character to uh, live on past Rogue One. I mean, technically he didn't, but you know. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, true. But uh, the storytelling of him has lived on, and I'm, I'm internally grateful that that is the case. So uh, to get us back on track a little bit, uh, we cut to the ISB, and they are once again having one of their little meetings, and uh, Daedra is challenged again by that lieutenant who just hates her guts. He wants her, you know, kicked out. He's just, she's dipping into my territory again. Out in yeah. public too. This, yeah, the, the previous one was kind of like an inference and now he's just like, I'm just going to say it right in public. Like, you are fucking with my shit and I do not appreciate it. And she does not, like, in previous sessions, she like, you know, was quiet and kind of like backed down a little bit. This one, she's just straight up like, no, the Empire needs to adapt to the rebels' tactics, we are not doing that. We do not have the flexibility. Your system, she says to the uh, ISB head, is not working and it needs to be fine-tuned. And he, honestly, to his credit, he was like, "Yeah, have at it. This se- this sector is yours. Tell me what you figure out." And then, and then he takes her out of the room and he's like, "You need to be fucking careful."
1: Yeah, it's it was pretty nice how he's like now looking. Out for her, almost. He's looking out for her. Yeah, he. Is, well, he's like, we'll get in the quote, the actual quote he says, but he does tell her like, you know, good job.
0: Yeah, well, in the best way that he can, because we can, we've seen that he is a uh, of stickler for authority and the rules.
1: Yeah. So after this, we cut back to Cassie and Andor, who is now settled into a quiet life on Niamos, also known as Space California, because that's literally what it was. This is the first time I've heard like. It's the first time I've heard, like, modern-esque pop music in Star Wars.
0: Dude, I know.
1: We have to talk about that music. It was so fucking good. It took me out of it for a brief moment. I literally said out loud, I said, the fuck is this? I was like, what is y- What's like?" The- I was like, this is a bop, dude. I love this. It was good, but I was just, like, not expecting it from Star Wars, you know? So, this is like a paradise world. It literally looks like something out of, like, Miami. uh, Whichever Miami you want. I don't care. Orange County, whatever. It's, it's. It's a paradise world, and he's got a girlfriend, and a new identity, and he's got a stash of hidden credits above the shower. Which also, that yep. shower looked really weird because it was like a table bench, and you just shower. But the shower, you're not really. Show- <laughs> it was weird. It didn't make any. sense I, I to
0: think me. he might have pulled the table over to get up into that. Ah, okay, uh, okay. makes some more that sense. That thing, because otherwise, I yeah, I don't know what I don't know what creature would use that shower generally. No, it was, it
1: was- was weird but it's a nice you know setup it's a sweet place i don't know but it also it was really funny because as he like is in that apartment that he has and he's walking around it kind of looked also like night city at certain angles i kind of got that it did i really got i'm telling you the cyberpunk vibes in this show they're very, very, uh, they're subtle, I mean, that's not surprising. Good. I know. That's I love really, it. I love you, it personally. I, 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 like cyberpunk. Oh, shows. I do too. I mean,
0: you, you would expect some, some cyberpunkiness from Star Wars eventually. So, Andor, you know, he's, he's getting the credits out and his girlfriend's like giving him all this list of things that he needs to get. And so he decides, all right, I'm gonna go walk to the store and buy all that stuff. And as he's walking along the beach, you know, there's just sunbathers sitting out, you know, onlookers, tourists. And then four or five dudes just start running up the beach towards and then past Cassian, being chased by a lone shore trooper. And Cassian, obviously not wanting to get involved, just kind of like looks around and then like darts around a corner really quickly to like avoid trouble, which unfortunately leads him straight into uh, the world's worst shore trooper ever, voiced by the world's best man, Sam
1: Witwer. Sam Whitwear, if you hear this, I love you. You're amazing. You're a okay. great actor. Hey, hey, I, no, I no. love him more. I know. I will fight you on <laughs> this. We're not,
0: listen, we're not doing this. We're not doing this right I'm now. Okay, We're not doing this right now. No, all right. Okay. All right. I will all do right, this right, later. All right, okay? all right. All right. All right. So, anyways, uh, Sam Whitwear, our favorite voice actor, uh, starts grilling him on where he was. He's like, What are you doing here? And he's like, What do you mean? What are you doing? What's going on, man? Why are you sweating? And he's like, It's, it's hot out today. It's like, oh yeah, you a part of it? And he's like, a, a part of what, dude? I don't even know what's going on.
1: Typical, typical like, cop bullshit.
0: He's like, he's just giving him the business and Cassian has like, I mean, he's giving him like the right answers, but he's not giving them in the right way. That's just, it's just pissing the guy off. So eventually the guy's just like, hey, you stay right here. And the, and Cassian's like, I mean, okay, I didn't do anything wrong, but that's fine. And then he he grabs a K2SO unit. Hey, oh. Our boy, and he tells the K2SO you, oh, the K2SO unit to hang on to him. And the unit goes, Hang, hang. <laughs> and he fucking choke slams him into a wall. This this whole sequence happens so fast, by the way. I was like, what the fuck is going on?
1: It's ridiculous. But I
0: loved every minute of it. Because it's it's very clearly like, like that's how quick it can happen in the new empire.
1: Yeah. You could literally be doing nothing.
0: Yeah. Like, like, yes, they actually, you know, they caught, they caught the guy who committed the crime or a crime, but not the crime that they were trying to catch.
1: Yeah, it was a bit uh, too reminiscent of our everyday life. Uh, anyway, we now look at Cassian who is in a line to be sentenced for his crimes that he did not commit. And he's sentenced to six years in prison. Yep.
0: He gets, like, 20 charges levied against him, too. It was hilarious. Yeah.
1: And what's funny is the sentence is harsh due to his own robbery.
0: <laughs> yeah, they literally were great. like, remember those remember those things we talked about earlier? The the heavier sentences being passed out? He is the victim of them, but he didn't do anything. And what's also really funny it's, is
1: the woman just looks at him, and she's like, hey, man, like, take it up with the emperor. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. it's very just like, whatever. Dude, it's...
0: it's Cassian, you know, I know exactly how Cassian feels, though, because I am a fan of playing the game Among Us. This is basically, they caught the imposter, but for the wrong reasons.
1: I was going to say, you, you, you can relate. You've been to six years in prison for a robbery?
0: <laughs> Listen, I did a lot of things before the podcast started. Uh, well, uh,
1: well, well. Hmm. All right, so before we get into our overall thoughts, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get some water ourselves, and we'll be right back. All right, so now we're going to get into it. Overall thoughts. Uh, yes. Well, I'm just going to jump out there and say I thought it was amazing. It was great. It's feeling good. Uh, I really don't have notes, man. I, I I keep like watching it thinking to myself, it can't be that good.
0: This show hits it out of the park every episode. Like... It's I, I saw a meme someone posted on uh, the Star Wars subreddit where it was like the virgin Obi-Wan Kenobi show versus the Chad Andor show. <laughs> and yeah. I kind of agree a little bit. Like not to all the points they had on that meme, but I was like, man, the writing on this show is just so fucking good. Yeah, it's great. Like this is this is a bridge episode. Remember that. Like no, this is just an episode setting up the next arc.
1: Yeah. Plus also, did you see that tweet that I, I sent you where it was like, you know, I love how the discourse is like. This show fucks. This show is so amazing. Like all, like that's the discourse. Everybody loves it. Yeah. There is, there's, no, you know. there's not.
0: There's no notes anyone has given this show. And like the well, the ones that I have seen,
1: I'm like, shut up. <laughs> like, I don't like Bix. It's like, well, I don't like you. Be quiet now. <laughs> Pretty much. I overall for the episode itself, I thought it was a good episode. I thought it was shot really well. Um, the quotes are what I want to get into because those are my favorite parts of the episode.
0: I, listen, I think that we are on a, a track to have the best Star Wars show, and that's going to be hard because *Amando* exists, but I'm, I, I think I'm being gripped a lot more with this show because of the intrigue and the characters. Gotcha.
1: But we'll, time will tell. So, the first couple quotes. The first one we have is Karn and his mom. Karn says something when she's talking about his, you know, uh, his... <laughs> His fucking collar. He had it tailored, and she's like complaining about it. I don't. I, which, which, dude? Anyone else is like, hey, I got this tailored. They'd be like, oh, that's nice. Like, good for you. Like, I don't,
0: I don't have. I think I have an old suit that was tailored when I was forty pounds heavier. Uh, but you know, <laughs> so the if quote, I were to fit in it, people would be like, oh, nice suit, bud. But his mom's like, fuck you, and
1: that fucking suit you're wearing. It's man. a brown suit. He keeps saying it's really funny. But the quote that she says to him because he's asked, he's like, what, what's wrong? What does it say? What does my collar say? And she goes, yep. "Everything says something." Look at me. I don't believe in myself. I'm desperate for approval. That's what she says. It looks for. She's like every single thing means something, especially when like you know you're going for a job, whatever. Your shoes. I my my mom. I will say my mom used to tell me your shoes are important. What a lot of people do is when they look down to shake your hand, they see your shoes, and that's the thing. I'm like, what? But apparently that's a real thing. I don't know. But I guess uh, yeah, his mom make it does make sense. The quote makes sense. Now the next one is the ISB. Yes. I love this one. This one, this one's good. Yeah. This is why
0: we plan. This is why we work so hard when we are at peace. This is why we recruit so carefully and demand so much. This is this is the war machine spinning up. This is them getting ready for battle. You know, the, the ISB has been at relative, I guess, uh, peace isn't the right word, but like
1: uh,
0: there hasn't been a war situation since the Clone Wars.
1: You're right. I mean, they've been technically at peace. It's not great in terms of, you know, it's peace based on fear, but it is technically what's that? What's that
0: TikTok meme? A win is a win. A win is a win. God. Peace is peace.
1: Now, the next quote is actually what you were saying earlier that you really liked uh, about Deidre. She said, we're treating what happened on Aldani as a robbery. Her assistant says, what would you call it? And she says, an announcement. I think that theme follows this episode because it kind of feels like an announcement that then ricochets and gets everybody riled up for rebellion. Yes. It's not just about the money. This is now a message. Exactly. This is this is the start of like this is this is
0: uh
1: hey watch the rebellion is airing on CBS every Tuesday Wednesday and Thursday. <laughs> well, I will say even though I said it's not all about the money, Luthen then does say to Mon Mothma, "Revolutions are expensive." Yep, because they definitely are. Absolutely. And when they're going at it, he looks at her and he says. I warned you when we started. And she goes, you told me we were building a network. He says, what were my words? She goes, this is something else entirely. He then says, turning back will be impossible. You knew where this was going. You've always known. Yep. And I think that that speaks
0: to to Mon Mothma. She's, She's always believed in democracy and in the system that she's you know, in. And I think that she always believed that this was an alternative. This was like a backup plan that she would never have to use. Whereas Luther knows that democracy failed when the emperor declared his regency. Yeah. This is, this is just, you know, years in the making. And this is the first step into organizing resistance.
1: As well as the fact that she's never been part of a resistance. She's always been the politician that's been part of an organized system. Whereas this is very much disorganized at the moment. And I think she's kind of, she's new to it. So I think she's kind of like, uh, like I don't want to say floundering, but she's definitely getting something that I don't think she was really expecting.
0: No, I would agree with that.
1: Now, the next quote is from Luthan. In the same conversation, he says... Has anyone ever made a weapon that wasn't used? The network's been built. It's up. It grows or it dies. We've waited long enough. That quote, I think, is really interesting because they've left the shadows. That is a big theme for me in this one as well that I noticed is everybody is leaving the shadows, if you will, of like what they've wanted to do. And now they are doing it. And yes, the network's ready. It's going. It's either going to, you know, it grows or it dies. Like, it's it's either going to work or it's not. It's, and, and I think him saying the whole, has anyone ever made a weapon that wasn't used, that's also kind of wild. Because if you think about it, the Death Star, right? Foreshadowing. Has anyone yep. ever made a weapon that wasn't used? You think they're just going to make a Death Star and not use it? Come on. I know they don't know about the Death Star at the moment, probably, hopefully. Maybe. I don't know but no, they it's don't. just it's a really nice foreshadowing.
0: Yep. And she says uh in response he goes, "Do you realize what you've set in motion?" Which it's like, yeah, yes, we uh, Luthen clearly has been thinking about this for years and he's ready. So Luthen then says, "It's time for that as well." She responds, "Palpatine won't hesitate now." You know, he's going to commit all these atrocities. And Luthen goes, Exactly. We need it.
1: We need the fear. We need them to overreact. She's like, you can't be serious. The Empire has been choking us so slowly, we're starting not to notice. The time has come to force their hand. People will suffer. That's the plan. I love that quote, that that sequence. It really, remember in the other couple episodes we were talking with uh, Nemec about, you know, Are we going to stoop so low to be the same as like the Empire use their tactics against them kind of thing? Clearly, Luthen does not give a shit. He's like, yeah, we're gonna people are gonna die, people are gonna suffer. That's whole the whole part of it. We want people to be hurt so then they realize.
0: And you got to remember, this is like completely against what Mon Mothma has been spending the years under Imperial service uh, fighting against. You know, she. Is spends countless hours conducting speeches and holding fundraisers and yeah. charities, trying to make sure that people can live as comfortably as possible under the Empire. And Luthen's just pulled the rug out from under her. He's like, no, we're done. It is time to fight. You become complacent. Yeah, if anything, you know, she's part of the reason that the Empire is still around because she's been helping to placate those who would fight.
1: But then again, if she did... I would say outwardly say something. I mean, she could just disappear. and Then they'll just put. A yeah, puppet. no,
0: they would just they would just disappear her exactly. for sure.
1: Now Luthen responds to her annoyance at all this stuff by saying, "You're not angry at me. I'm just saying out loud what you already know. There will be no rules going forward. If you're not willing to risk your conscience, then surrender. Be done with it. We need every credit we can get our hands on. We can't hide forever." Yep, That is like very much, I think just he's right. He's right. There's not going to be any rules. They, no. the, the, the Empire has rules within the Empire, but when it comes to getting rid of rebels and stuff, they don't give a fuck. They're just going to kill people. They don't care. Rules are the illusion within the Empire. There's no rules for quelching rebellion. Now, I know this next sequence is something that you, of course, loved so much. Yes. The quote um, has, I would say there's one quote in this sequence that has been blowing up. Everybody's talking about it. But there's a lot right before it that's really important as well. And it's Mon Mothma talking to her friend, trying to convince him that she's not a piece of shit. <laughs> she's not a, an imperial.
0: That she's not, yeah, she's not a simp for the imperial authority. I love it because Mon says, you know, do you see what people say about me? It's a clear picture, isn't it? I'm a polite, sometimes indecisive senator who spends her days fighting and failing to protect separatist do-gooders and battle imperial overreach. An irritation, as you so hardly put it. And he says, he's like, oh, I have made you angry. He's like, no, you've set me free. It's a lie. The Mon Mothma people think they know. It's a lie. It's a projection. It's a front.
1: Now, for her to say this out in the open like that, there are other people around. Yeah. So for her to take confidence to say this to this gentleman as well as around other people.
0: This dude must be a, must be a good friend because this is not something you tell. She outed herself. She's like, oh, I am yeah. the imposter.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This guy better deliver.
0: Oh my god, he better, dude. I I'm I'm very curious. Just, I'm hoping we don't get a little finger situation yeah, on our hands.
1: Yeah. At the end, the the quote that that has been blowing up is Mon Mothma says, "I've learned from Palpatine. I show you the stone in my hand, you miss the knife at your throat." She is explaining that she's been paying attention to her enemy and she is taking notes. Yep. And she is doing the same thing but in her own way because she is not the Luthan style of she's going to stoop to that level. No. But she is definitely aware of how they work and function, and she is adapting their methods to her own ideology to try to take them down. Which yes. I think, obviously, that seems to be going a little bit better later on, but for now in this time frame, it's still a little... She's She's kind of being left in the dust right now.
0: Which I'm sure that will change eventually as we see. The next quote... I uh, we're going to talk about this one. It's a conversation between Marva and Andor. And Andor says, uh, you know, he's trying to convince her to leave. So he says, we'll find a place they haven't ruined yet. And I love Marva's response. She says, I'm already there. That place is in my head. They can build as many barracks as they like. They'll never find me. And Andor goes, well, what's left? what's left to keep you here? And she says, the rebellion.
1: And I'm like, oh shit, Marva's Picking up her gun. That's so awesome, though, because it's like, in her mind, she's like, yeah, you can do all the physical things you want, trap me, whatever, propaganda all over the place, intimidate me, but you'll never invade my mind. I will always be who I am, and I will always fight you in my head. You know, no matter what, she is going to be a rebel, and I love that. That was, oh, this woman is great. And
0: we don't have it listed on here, but, like, she, the whole reason that she's thinking this way- is because of the robbery that they committed. Yep. She's like, I need to do my part, and 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 Andor can't tell her that it was him because she'll be so pissed at
1: him. And he keeps saying, it's just a robbery, and she's like, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Uh, again, people keep saying it's just a robbery, and clearly it wasn't.
0: Yeah, uh, her and her and Deidre would be good friends because they both have the same idea.
1: Yep. Now, this is actually the quote. Uh, now, this next quote is actually the quote that got me really sad because it's, it's a goodbye as well as it's it's I think it's just it's just a, so sad. It's like a mom and a kid and it's it, it it makes everything not matter. Do you know what I mean? It just makes the two of them yeah. in that moment matter. He says, "You can't beat them, Marva." And she goes, "Not if I run away." She talks for a little bit and says, "You know, you should leave and, you know, you'll find peace. Like go find your peace." And his response is I won't have peace. I'll be worried about you all the time. And she responds and says, that's just love. There's nothing you can do about that. And that's like depressing as fuck, man. Yeah. Like he's saying goodbye to his mom. That is that is what is happening. They are saying goodbye to each other. And she says, you know, I've never loved anything like you. I've never cared about anything like you before. I've never, you know, fretted about this kid for you know like he's just so important to her he is the most important thing to her it's it is so sad uh, to end the
0: the quote segment uh, we have to talk about the Imperial the head of the ISB when he pulls Deidre out of the room and he you know says a word come with me and he just says watch your back like she's so proud of herself in that moment where she just took authority away from that dude and like stood up to him but he's like hey listen you are engaging in a higher level of politics that you might not be ready for if you're not prepared to do what needs to be done
1: and he's looking out for her too which is pretty interesting he acknowledges he, he that is, she's like, doing he is like he doesn't
0: job. he doesn't have to say yeah. that he doesn't have yep. to tell her to watch her back and i think i think he likes her that's why he's trying to keep her alive basically yeah so questions Yes, questions.
1: What what do you think? What are you, what are you feeling? I I'm wondering
0: when we have a lot of scattered characters now. I'm wondering when they will all reconnect. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if we will see more of the network that Luthan has been alluding to. I'm wondering if uh I don't know, maybe we'll see some characters that we weren't expecting to see in the next couple episodes. I'm not sure who that would be, but maybe maybe good old Jimmy Smith's will show mm-hmm. up again. Maybe we'll get some uh uh I don't know, some some characters from Obi-Wan might wander on to screen a mm-hmm. little bit. Who knows?
1: I would really like to see what's going on with Karn or what's his name, Sybil? Uh Oh, she yeah, she says yeah, his yeah. first name and it's like Sybil or whatever. Um I'm really curious, is he going to now find uh, Cassian? Because they show him toward the end, really brief shot of him working when Cassian is sentenced. So I'd really like to see what happens. I want to know, like, is he going to find him and then interrogate him? And then he's going to have to say, like, I am not Cassian Andor. And then, like, that's how he gets out of jail and he escapes. Like, I want to know how he gets out. I want to know what's Karn gonna... I'm invested in Karn. Yes, I'm sorry, guys. I'm invested in Karn. I want to know what happens to this guy. I (laughs) kind of low-key want him... He's grown on I kind of low-key want him to be redeemed and, like, realize that the rules he follows are bullshit and then he's going to read the manifesto and be like, oh, my God. Wow, I didn't... Like, that would be cool, but I don't think that's going to happen. I also, if that doesn't happen, I would love to see him get into the... Imperial, like, you know, officers kind of situation, like the ISB maybe, he'll get a job at the ISB, he'll be her, Deidre's, like, new assistant or he'll be the assistant of somebody, I don't know there's a lot of speculation there, I know, but there's a lot of really cool things I think his story could go through that can connect with other characters I really like how they're connecting the characters, obviously the characters have not met yet, but I really like to see how they're going to do that um, yeah, that's my rant I really think, I I don't know I, I really want to know What's going to happen? It's got me wanting to know. So for final thoughts, I would say I think this episode had that theme of leaving the shadows or at least the shadows of your thoughts. And, you know, we have people beginning to rebel. They're starting to move in on what they need to do, right? Everybody is starting to, to take action. The pieces are moving Yeah, into place. people are taking action. Whereas the one person who's not is Cassian, and he's running and hiding at the end, and he gets caught.
0: Yep. it's it that I love that shot, because it's basically like, no matter what you do, you're going to get involved somehow. Even if he just tries to stay on the sidelines, he still got involved.
1: No matter what you do, the Empire is always going to have a hand on your neck.
0: And with that, guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did... Please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. And be sure to get connected with us on Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter at lore underscore party. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one.